Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National with me, Alison Balance. A couple of weeks ago on Our Changing World, we heard about work by Niwa to rank the different risks facing the endangered New Zealand sea lion. Now a team from the University of Otago have a sobering story of a prehistoric sea lion extinction which they say is relevant today. Geneticist Bruce Robertson, archaeologist Justin Maxwell and paleogeneticist Nick Rawlins take up the tale that has its beginnings in some old bones. So we've got a collection of sea lion bones that have been excavated from early Moriori middens on the Chatham Islands, and we've got a skull, a juvenile femur, we've got a humerus, a radius, and a scapula. Now, there are no sea lions out on the Chatham Islands today? No, you get the occasional vagrant from the southern Antarctic, Auckland and Campbell Islands, but not the populations that were present um, when Moriori arrived on the islands about 1450 AD. But bones like this, how common are they out there? In early sites, fairly common. There are sites on Pitt Island that have a lot of sea lion bones eroding out of them and you get the whole suite of uh, ontology right from small juveniles through to adults and males and females. So we know that the local Moriori were hunting the entire suite of animals present on the island. And that clearly this was a good-sized breeding population. Yes. The modelling we've done for population size based off the ancient DNA is looking at about 50,000 individuals on the Chatham Islands at the time of um, Polynesian arrival. Let's step back a little bit because you have spent the last few years working on a, a suite of species around New Zealand and rewriting what we understand about their history. So do you want to step me through a couple of those species? Sea lions, for example, on the mainland. Tell me that story. A few years ago, our PhD student, Catherine Collins, started doing ancient DNA on the sea lions on mainland New Zealand that were found in early Maori archaeological sites looking for similar patterns that Sana Busenkol had found with the turnover from white-aha penguin to yellow-eyed penguin. And what Catherine found is at the time of Polynesian settlement there was a unique lineage or species of sea lion on mainland New Zealand, we'll call it the prehistoric New Zealand sea lion, and what we call Hooker's Sea Line today it was restricted to the subantarctic Auckland and Campbell Islands. Now, the prehistoric New Zealand Sea Line went extinct due to overhunting uh, within about 200 years of Polynesian settlement, about the same time as white harp penguin, the moa, elephant seals and other penguins. And sea lines recolonised uh, New Zealand in 1992 with mum, the female uh, hooker sea lion that came to Otago Peninsula and gave birth. So we extended that study with Catherine to the Chatham Islands where we knew there were lots of sea lion bones to see whether the Chatham Islands had their own unique uh, lineage or species and what we found is 
that they do. So at the time of um, Polynesian arrival in the wider New Zealand region, we had three lineages or species. We had Hooker's sea lion in the southern Antarctic, we had the prehistoric New Zealand one in New Zealand, and the Chatham Islands had their own unique sea lion. But before you did this work, what did people think the Chatham Island sea lion was? Did they think it was just the species we have today? They thought uh, the Chatham Island sea lion and the prehistoric New Zealand one were the same as uh, the modern Hooker's sea lion today, and that what we've just had is extinctions of populations and recolonisation of the same population or species. Now, Justin, I'll bring you in here. So what did we know about uh, Moriori and Māori settlement out on the Chathams? Almost as much of what we still don't know. Whilst common sense suggests that the Chatham Islands was colonised around about the same time as New Zealand, roughly around 1300 AD. At the moment, the earliest sites we have date to around 1450 AD. Now, that's just as likely to be a case of the absence of early sites being located to, the, to date. And what do we know about the size of the population out there? The population, by the time Europeans arrived in 1791, and more importantly in 1835, we have a good idea of. Um, Moriori essentially wrote their own um, census in the 1860s. And that indicated at least 2,000 people were on the island in 1835, um, probably more. Through my research, one of the things I've looked into is whether particularly the carbohydrate sources could have supported a greater population, and the results of that research suggest that it definitely could have. The population could have been in excess of two to, two to 3,000 people. What carbohydrates are we talking about? Carinocarpus glavigatus, so cracker or kopi on the Chatham Islands. It's endemic to northern New Zealand, and it was a really important source of carbohydrates and sugars to both Māori and to Moriori. So they moved them to the Chathams when they moved there? They did, um, essentially as groves of, of trees as orchards. So this could have been the basis for what they were eating, supplemented by lots of seabirds, marine mammals, there fish? Were, there would definitely have been no lack of protein um, at any time in, in the settlement of, of Rokohu, Chatham Island. These sea lion bones from out on the Chathams, did you do ancient DNA work on them? And can you tell me about that? Through support from... Chatham Islands, uh, Moriori, we sampled sea lion bones from pre-Moriori, so pre-1450 AD um, sites and early Moriori sites like Waihora down on the southwestern corner of main Chatham Island from New Zealand Museum. So we sampled Otago Museum across the road, uh, Canterbury Museum to Papa, Auckland. And we took uh, small bone samples and took them back to the Otago Paleogenetics Laboratory, which we've set up in the zoology department. And we extracted the ancient DNA from these bones and we amplified a small, very variable portion of the mitochondrial control region. So this is mitochondria which are passed down mother to daughter. And this was the same marker that we'd used with Catherine Collins' study. And what we were able to show is that there were three lineages or species of sea lion, and from there we could calculate the population sizes. Now, Bruce, where do you come into the story? You're a geneticist? I guess I've come into it from the perspective of um, sea lion management. So I've had a lot to do with the management that Ministry for Primary Industries and Department of Conservation have with sea lions. And I guess the study that we've done has shown that this has important implications for the current population and the declines that we're seeing in the Auckland Island sea lion population. So what happened with this population out on the Chathams? So it was um, harvested for food and obviously at a, a certain rate and so the modelling that we've done has shown that the, the rate of harvest that it has occurred has resulted in its extinction 
And so that tells us something about how uh, hunting pressures, which are akin to bycatch, which is occurring of uh, sea lions down in the Auckland Islands and the squid fisheries, what sort of impact that can have on the population. And so currently it's thought through the, the sea lion threat management planning process that sea lion bycatch in the squid fishery has been resolved. And so what this suggests is if that's not the case, and there is evidence to suggest that there's still quite a lot of uncertainty about whether bycatch has been resolved, um, that the driver of decline could still be fisheries impacts. And so this um, adds another, I guess, string to the bow that suggests that we should be looking at bycatch more closely. And in some regards, the, the current threat management plan just completely disregards that. So this, um, this study is very important because it does identify that bycatch could still be a, an ongoing issue. So what do we know or what have you modelled about the hunting pressure out on the Chathams? We basically modelled the number of um, individuals that have been taken out of the population and then looked at the rate of decline. And it's quite low um, and it's comparable to the the estimates of bycatch that we're seeing or have been seeing in the past. So bear in mind the population down on the Auckland Islands, the bycatch is now managed using uh, sea lion exclusion devices. So there are these um, contraptions that get put into trawl nets which supposedly allow sea lions out of the net alive. There is quite a bit of uncertainty about you know, whether that's actually functioning as you know, intended. And so um, if that's not the case and we still have ongoing bycatch, it's at a similar rate that we were seeing on the, um, um, the Chatham Islands and consequently that population went extinct. And so what this highlights is that impacts on adults can have quite profound impacts on the population, i.e. they go extinct. And so currently MPI and Department of Conservation are very much focused on pup diseases as a driver of the decline we're seeing down the Auckland Islands. But what our study shows is that if we've got it wrong, or if they've got it wrong, and it's not disease, and it is actually bycatch, then clearly a population can be driven to extinction with relatively low levels of um, harvesting. And that's exactly what could be happening down there. Tell me about the population modelling out. You, you mentioned 50,000 animals to start with. How long did it take for that population to become extinct? We did the ancient DNA on these bones, calculated the effect of population size, um, which is the number of breeding females, converted that to a census population size um, to account for males, females, breeding, non-breeding individuals. And then we took all the parameters that we know for modern hookers sea lines and modelled all of those populations up to carrying capacity for the regions. And what we did is we said, OK, for the Chathams at 1450, we have 50,000 sea lines. We know there were about, um, through estimates that um, Justin has researched, about uh, 50 um, Moriori arrived on the island. We have a growth rate of humans conservatively to about 2,000 individuals by the time of extinction. And we worked out that very low persistent harvesting rates of more than one sea line per person per year were enough to cause the wholesale extinction of the Chatham Island sea line. And when we applied this modelling to prehistoric New Zealand population and the subantarctic population, we got the same extinction rate of very, very low harvest rates. What we also did is we took the current subantarctic population, about 10,000 individuals, which we know is declining, it's going through about a 50% decline in um, pup production since the mid-90s, 
and we said, okay, how many sea lions do you need to hunt through bycatch for the population to go extinct? And what we worked out is if 410 sea lions a year are killed, all remaining hooker sea lion are going to be gone in 50 years. And when you look at the level of bycatch and the level of unreported bycatch, which has become a big thing in the news recently with marine mammals like Maui's and Hector's dolphin with the fish and sea lions, is uh, reported and unreported bycatch is making up about 30 to 75, 80% of that annual mortality required for hooker sea lion to be extinct. If there is any disease and if there are pups drowning in seal wallows, it just adds to that. So unless we do something, uh, we're going to have a sole remaining member of a very unique genus of sea lion gone within half a century in our lifetimes. What's your biggest take-home message? It's got to be that very small human population sizes and very low harvest rates can have profound effects. So as shown with the the sea lions on the Chatham Islands and also um, previous work on mower extinction in New Zealand that um, colleagues have done at Landcare and um, other researchers have done, is very small human uh, numbers can have very profound effects causing widespread environmental modification, extinction of species. And a lot of these species now that have survived the human hunting don't have much genetic variation and are very restricted in their um, geographic distribution. So one of the prime examples we worked on is the Otago shag, which lost greater than 99% of its population size, geographic range and genetic diversity, and is now restricted to Otago. Um, It's probably got about as much variation as a takahe or a kākāpō. So... Small human population sizes can either make you go extinct or if you survive you're gone through a severe bottleneck and you don't have much of a geographic range, which for conservation presents a whole lot of challenges. That was Nick Rawlins, and we also heard Justin Maxwell and Bruce Robertson, and they're all from the University of Otago. The New Zealand Sea Lion Threat Management Plan is currently open for public submissions. And to find out about that, or to hear the earlier story about the risks facing our sea lions, head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.